Blog Talk Radio. And that's what we call Blast Off here on the K Factor, where K equals kindness. And the factors are all the things that lead to it. It's Saturday morning and it's sensuous Saturdays. And I am here with, I'm your host, actually. I should tell you that in case you forgot. This is your host, Dr. Deb Carlin, here on Blog Talk Radio. And I am here with my wonderful friend, Dr. Joy Martina. Good morning, Joy. How are you? Hello. Good morning, everyone. I love Sensuous Saturdays. I do, too. It just puts you into a certain frame of mind just to even think about it. You're getting in motion, which is what we need to do in life, isn't it? We've got to keep going, especially when we're going through hell. (laughs) (laughs) Really, get me through here. (laughs) (laughs) Let's keep moving. So I have to tell our audience, this is funny. Um, If you haven't been to us before, we do a blog talk radio episode, which is all audio, and it gets loaded up to iTunes and posted on the social media platforms. And then simultaneously, so that we have a video component to it, we do this as a Zoom call at the same time, so we get a dual recording. And then this gets uploaded into YouTube, and you know, YouTube's got this huge presence. So today, Actually, this is really sweet. As much as I would love to look into Joy's face because we get such great energy from one another. We have great auditory and frequency energy. But on the video today, I am live, and Joy and her husband, Roy, are in a pose that's just sweet, and it is a thank you. And you know what? I'm going to use that as the thumbnail, if you don't mind, over this YouTube video. Yeah, it'll be really sweet. So... You are in the midst of what kind of a day? Tell us how's your morning gone. Well, I started out, as I always do, with my little practice in the morning of doing a bit of energy work and meditating and really tuning into what my body needs today. So my body's feeling a little tired because I was doing a lot of gardening, which is lovely. But I have, you know, sometimes I think of myself as this ox so sturdy and indestructible. And then <laughs> I was a little surprised to find out, wow, you're a bit more fragile than I thought. And yeah. um, yeah, so now I'm more resting and recuperating, letting my body get back into a good space so that next week is another energetic week. I love weekends. I really do. I and I'd like to celebrate them. I used to not do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love to celebrate them too. I woke up slowly this morning and wandered around my home and indulged my house plants and my herbs that I've got growing on a, a nice, beautiful terrace and just felt the joy of it. And it awakens you, you know, right? When you take that journey and I'm walking in bare feet and feeling the flooring beneath my feet, it's a really nice stone. And it's really, it's a different kind of a smooth. And as I was walking across it, and it's a natural stone, I thought, I think I can feel the vibrations from the place on the earth where these came from. Mm. Isn't that cool? I never thought about it before. That's so beautiful. And, and it's so important that we take a lot of time to walk barefoot on the ground on oh, earth. Oh, my goodness. 
right? So there's so much research around the importance of grounding and how the earth electromagnetic force field actually helps us heal. But so often we're cut off by it literally because of the soles of our shoes. Yes. So, you know, there's been such an increase in, in disease and, and disconnectedness from the earth, let's just call it that, ever since of the evolution of sneakers. So having these these uh, rubber soles that are actually, you know, cutting us off from electromagnetic force field of the earth is, has its downside. And then I, I get especially concerned if I see how children are no longer really allowed to be barefoot, right? Yeah. And then we send them to schools and concrete boxes, right. always in shoes. Yeah. Um, it's sad because it would be such a simple way to, to help ourselves. So everyone listening, take time today, take your shoes off and get those feet into the ground. Absolutely. Do it. It, is, it is important. And I remember laughing when I had people over to my home and I invited them to take off their shoes and, and sandals and be barefoot in the house and then come out into the yard, out onto the deck and walk the um the stepping stone pathways barefooted and walk onto the small areas of grass because most of my, my gardens have always been less, 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 less grass and a lot more gardens and, and pathways. And people, you know, thought, well, I haven't done that since I was a child. I know, hmm. I know. We used to just call it going out to play. <laughs> <laughs> Which is another important element, play, right? Yes. Allowing ourselves to to have that open mind as a child, to to allow ourselves this moment of awe, of simple pleasures, like touching your, yeah, touching the ground with your feet and and really connecting to our senses. So great, great start to our talk today, I'd say. (laughs) I think so, too. Um, My journey this morning then continued into my kitchen where I got myself water and I love to drink out of beautiful glassware, mm. all different kinds. And it, and it has nothing to do with price. It has everything to do with the look and the feel mm. and the size and the, um, the way that the glass reaches the skin of your hands. And just, you know, there's, it's funny when people come over and I will decide what sort of glassware to put out. I'll have plain, straight glass, a lot of it handmade, some with different designs on it. So it's got a, a texture of some sort, some that's painted. Mm. And, it's, and it's really funny because people have such reaction to it. It's so they think that there's a glass is a glass. What are you talking about all this variation for? <laughs> and then, you know, I say to them, look, it's a, it's a, it's a fun thing, but it's also very sensual, visually, and in terms mm. of tactile, right? Absolutely. I, I have the same kind of thing going on with my mugs, my cups. I'm a big tea drinker. Yes. So I, I am very particular about the mugs that I like for myself. So yes. I like big mugs, but they have to be of porcelain. So I love the thin porcelain much more than the thick ceramics to drink my tea out of. It's just a little spleen. Yes. <laughs> but I also have tons of different mugs and cups from all over the world and they're, they're, there's so much memory in so many of them so I'll yeah. pick a mug and I'll know exactly where I got it or who gave it to me and I, I love that too and I think it's part of maybe what connects us Deborah is, is that that desire to live intentionally 
mm-hmm. to, to make these conscious choices. So yeah, it does matter. I mean, of course, we can drink out of every glass. We don't want to be super attached to it. Right. But if we have the pleasure of, of making that choice, you know, which glass would give me the most pleasure today, then let's do that. <laughs> you know, it's a simple way to make ourselves happy, isn't it? It is. It's a wonderful to make, a way to make ourselves happy. I'll tell you, it's interesting because as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about the ways in which two things one people talk about senility and when people talk about senility i i always cringe a bit because there's too much conversation about this as a done deal hopeless scenario and people don't stop mm. and think wait a second what have we done with this person to keep their mind alive is the person mm. isolated and lonely without that great mental stimulation and interaction of others? Is there is there a lack of physical activity? And and when we're talking about objects like the the collection of glasses and mugs that we both have, I'm thinking about the ways in which we've got this wonderful way to pick up a mug or a glass from all the different places in the world that both of us have been, and have memories. Sparked. Mm. So when we're talking about sensuous and sensuality and sensual experiences, they are so, it's not just pleasurable in the moment because, but it is sparking our mind and, and sparking memories, right? Mm, absolutely. I love that image I'm getting when you use the word spark. Yeah. of our brain literally, which it does, lighting up. Yeah. So by using, by stimulating different senses and diving into those memories and noticing what's happening, our brain literally comes alive. Yeah. So I, I love that connection. And I think you're right. There's a lot of stigma and, and stories, as with most things, right, around senility or dementia or mm-hmm. this idea that we need to get old and sick and then kind of run out of energy and then die. And that's just what happens. Right. So I can't tell you how often I've had conversation with people who say, well, that's just part of old age. I and hate I think, that. Right? And I'm always, really? Are, are you sure about that? Is that true? And then they look at me and I said, well, you know, it, it, it really depends on what we hold true as to what we will make happen. Have you ever thought about that? Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about those people who actually live a long, long, healthy, beautiful life, fulfilling until the last day and then just go? Not because they have to, because their body is done, but because it's a choice, because their time is up. Have you ever thought about that? So I think it's so important that we always seek for role models of, of lifestyles and the quality of life that we're desiring, rather than going and round up being what, what is normal, because, because we don't want to be normal people. <laughs> we really <don't. laughs> Heaven forbid. <laughs> You know, the other thing that I did is I was is uh, is I was walking in my kitchen and I walk over to my coffee machine and I open up the lid and I put in the filter and I use a gold filter so that there's no paper that I need to deal with and I open up the container of the fresh ground mm-hmm. coffee beans. Does the coffee smell even better than it tastes? Phenomenal. (laughs) Yes, indeed it does. And I start that clean water into the container. I close it and I turn it on. I see the little light go on. And so I'm having this um, aroma. I am having this visual. 
And then I just kind of open up my cabinet, stand back, open up the cabinet, and contemplate. What do I feel like touching? What mm. What is going to feel like what it is I need in my hand? And, yeah, you and I live by intention a lot. Mm. And I'm just also noticing we're both very kinesthetic people. Mm-hmm. So when I listen to us, talking with it talking a lot about what we feel and what it does to our bodies and I'm I'm also wondering you know that same process for someone who's maybe not that strongly kinesthetic could be sparked by them paying attention to it so if someone listening right now says well I'm, I'm actually more a visual person so I get my kick out of beauty that I see there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that at all so right. all our senses are important and at the same time it can be really interesting to explore which channels of information am I currently not really using? Exactly. So someone who's maybe very visual might not be paying attention to the kinesthetic channel. And right. when we do pay attention to visual, auditory, kinesthetic, and then auditory digital, so the conversation in our heads, those are the main four channels that we have. Then we can start tuning into, as you were just saying, the olfactory that smell and the gustatory taste and all that. Mm-hmm. So once we start doing that, I've noticed the whole rainbow starts opening up because we literally yeah. become more aware. Yeah. And that, I think, is when life starts getting interesting. I do too. And, you know, going back to the activity of the brain, and you were just describing it, we're, we're talking about that all the time, but and when we highlight it, the the idea behind our conversation is about life and loving life and having the full experience of it. And unless you are taking the time to allow, just allow all these channels to be open, what have you got to lose by trying anything that we're suggesting? People get so resistant sometimes. It's like, yeah, well, I don't do it that way. (laughs) Yeah, and I think often it's really led by fear. You see, because our our brain, again, if we just bring it down to some science, our our brain is not wired to really like new things. We we kind of resist change in any case because we're usually driven by the oldest part of our brain, Mm. the reptilian brain. Mm -hmm. And for the reptilian brain, any change, even if it's good change, is change. And that is scary. So if we're tuned in to fear, maybe because we're dealing with chronic stress or we're having issues with anxiety or we're just, you know, we've got that lens of fear on right now for whatever reason, then it can be hard to even want to connect to our senses because it can feel like it's too much. I can't, I can't deal with what is anyway. So if I add more to this, that's the kind of logic that I think our brain does, mm-hmm. I, I will be overwhelmed. And unfortunately, or fortunately, actually, the opposite is true. I always say to, to my students and clients, you know, I don't want you to become, I don't want you to become numb. It's not about cutting yourself off if you're, for instance, hypersensitive. I want you to be even more sensitive, but be sensitive to your own needs first. Don't go all sensitive out there and connect to everything that is, all the drama around you. Take time to disconnect from that and become sensitive to your own needs. And when we do that, we're actually... In, in, in not only a self-loving action, but we're actually doing something that's going to make ourselves feel better. Because once I know what I'm sensing and feeling, once I know what I need, I can also ask questions of how do I fulfill that need for myself? What is it that I need? Mm-hmm. I don't know, like with food, I've often discovered I'll start snapping or binging on ridiculous stuff when I'm bored or when I'm sad or when I'm tired. Yes. <laughs> so, 
tuning into think, what is it that I really need right now? Of course I can go and eat that donut, but is it really what I need or do I actually need something else? And then when I started asking those questions to myself, I discovered patterns. And then I was able to make conscious choices every now and again and say, you know what? I won't eat that donut. I'll just go take a nap. <laughs> or I'll go for a walk. <laughs> or I'll go take a bath. Or I'll go yes. call someone. You know? yeah. Sometimes we're actually needing connection. Yeah. And, and yeah, or rest or whatever. So yeah, I, I love that we're having this conversation. I do too. It's helpful. You know, the other thing that I that I think about is the ways in which when um, people that I'm working with are in the hospital, and they might be on a ventilator or in some way unconscious. Mm. Um, and I will bring in music and I will bring in aromas that I have uh, inside information from either knowing them or knowing their loved ones. What are aromas that are pleasing to them? Because I don't want to bring them anything that's, you know, <laughs> repelling. And mm. And when you do that, it is absolutely amazing the ways in which you can watch the monitors that people are hooked up on in a in a hospital room and you get biofeedback immediately for what your impact is. You know, you walk in the room and they hear your voice and if you're kind and genteel and your cadence is about relaxation you can capture them and you know how well you've captured them because of what you're reading on the instruments. Mm. And then, you know, you can look at their oxygen saturation and, and, and it's, it, it's really, it's really fascinating the ways in which we have hard data then about the ways in which a person is responding on the senses and you can get hard data and track it and see how all the things that we're talking about in terms of a, a sensuous experience is healing. Mm, beautiful. Beautiful. Well, we, we, we do know love is the medicine that can heal all. It sounds so woozy-floozy, right? Yes. But love is that highest frequency. So when we come with an intention of love, a loving touch, think of how our moms calmed us or comforted right. us when we hurt ourselves as kids. And, yeah. and that helps. It, it eases pain. This is, there's so much research on this, isn't it? Yes. I love how you're doing that in hospitals, and I love how you're you're really reading, you know, the, the machines you have available for what you're doing. And and yeah, research shows that you know loving touch and a loving intention reduces stress. It's, it's all about energy, isn't it? It is. If all we're about. in a good space, we're in a loving place. Well, that way, energy is going to radiate out. It does. I mean the the the, the torus to the energy field around our heart is massive, up to eight meters. I don't know how much that is in foot, but a lot. Yeah. Um, it's over 20 foot, right? Yeah. That's how far our, the, the, the vortex of our heart reaches out. So whether we like it or not, we are in each other's heart spaces if we're in a room with someone. So if we're in there, why don't we send some loving energy? So I've noticed that by, you know, doing so much research with also like you with, with heart math and recognizing oh, yeah. what power our heart has, it's so helpful to just use simple breath and beautiful thoughts, something like I am love, you are love, you know, something nice. Mm-hmm. And, and take a moment to connect to your heart before you go out into the world and connect to others. And, and doing that consciously has helped me so 
often, especially in, in moments of conflict, when I was maybe, you know, challenged by some very, very angry person or upset person. And, and at, at first, I used to get really scared of those sort of people. I, I didn't know how to deal with them. I'd be like this bunny in front of the, or deer in front of the headlights, totally shocked. Oh, my God. <laughs> but now I do it you know, sometimes you don't have to do anything. It's actually way more powerful to just listen to someone, to let them vent all the stuff that's going on. And in that time, just connect to your breath, keep repeating, I am love, it's not personal, you know, sending out good intentions and staying in that space of love. And it can be hard at the beginning, even just staying silent when someone's ranting at you can be hard. But when we take that time, I've noticed you know, that negative energy, that, that aggravation often just dispels by itself because I didn't step into it. I just let it be. I accepted it and stayed in a good space myself. And that's really, really helped me so often. I love what you're talking about there. And here's what I'm wondering, Joy. In the midst of that, can you say more about what you think we can do with all the unrest that there is here in the United States, mm-hmm. what do we do, Joy? Do we do we have people, we don't want to put anybody in harm's way, but do we have people somewhere, does it work if we're remote and we can put loving energy into the riotous crowds? Or are they yeah, so yeah, out of control yeah, yeah. that we can't do anything? What can we do? Yes. Yeah. Yes, we can send loving energy. Short answers, let's all pray more. Really, it doesn't matter if you're religious or not. I'm not a very religious person at all. And I believe in the power of prayer. I really do. You can do so much research. Look at the peace studies done in the 70s, where it was proven that if a group of people pray in a city, the accidents go down, violence goes down, uh, the amount of hospitalizations goes down, the world becomes more peaceful. And, you know, there's an algorithm to this. And I'm betting that algorithm is actually changing. But what I know from the last study is that it only takes 60,000 people on this planet to connect in meditation, to be able to influence the entire planet's collective field. 60,000 people is not that much, right? I think that this, what is happening on our planet right now, all this, uh, you know, trying to uh, split us, trying to dis- disconnect people from people, you know, all this loneliness, all the, the shutdown, everything that's going on. It's actually an invitation for us to start connecting in a different way, just like we're doing now. Like every listener who's listening right now, we're in a field together. So when we are in a field together and we share the intention of, for instance, sending out more loving energy, then that is happening just by our intention and if we now invest time into it by you know taking a few moments breathing keeping good energy flowing in our own bodies we are impacting the collective in a positive way so i think that is the most important thing we can do right now so how would we how would we do that we would just say just invite people in and say right now every every day at this time Let's collectively do this prayerful hour, this prayerful quarter of an hour. Yes, make it. I'm thinking, you know, most people are so, so busy and are not used to taking breaks throughout the day. Yeah. Make it simple. Let's do every day 10 minutes. At this time, this is what we're doing. So 
we know from the quantum field that even if you were to connect to that field later on in the day for your 10 minutes because you're in a different time zone, it doesn't matter in the quantum field. The quantum field has no time. So it'll still have an impact. I would think that would be one of the most beautiful practices we could do for ourselves and mm. others. Because let's not get it wrong, we're doing ourselves good by taking 10 minutes each day to pray. And if we then have an altruistic motive, we are backed by the universe about more than just us. And all we could do simply would be to sit down, to say, okay, these 10 minutes uh, we will devote to sending out and receiving or tapping into the love energy on this planet oh, yeah. and just breathe love. We could say mantras if we like to. Everybody who's taking part could do their own prayers in the way that they like. We could just sit in silence. You know, I don't think it really matters so much what we do. It's more about how much space can we hold? Mm. Can we all be those vessels? And I say, yes, we can. All it is with time is training to stay that vessel, to be able to take control over that busy, busy mind. Exactly. <laughs> and take it our breath. I, you know, there's so much nonsense out there about meditation, and, and there's so much stigma, I think, yeah. around it. Yeah. But all it is is harming the mind. <clears throat> well, there's so many people who talk about doing meditation, but they don't know how to do it. I've, I've, I've actually had the experience. This is so ironic. Um, I've had the, I've had the experience of sitting in on people's meditations, and they were so annoying <laughs> <laughs> because they kept doing things. It's like, okay, we're almost there. Stop. <laughs> we're just getting this. Stop. Do, doing nothing can be pretty hard. I'd love to share a mantra that I love using when I meditate. Because it's so simple, and I think our listeners might enjoy that too. Oh, yeah. So, all it is is that you sink your breath with this mantra. So, every inhale that you take, you say, I am love. And every exhale that you release, you say, I am eternal. Ah. Every inhale after that is, I am infinite. And then you go back to exhaling, I am love. So by using, I am love, I am eternal, I am infinite, we're literally cleaning our own vessel, our channel, to, to the essence of what we can all agree on. We're all energy. We all come mm. from the same source. We are that love. And then when we say I'm eternal, it means I am transcending time. I'm not about just this moment now or yesterday or tomorrow. I, I, I'm eternal. My frequency, my energy, my, my essence is eternal, right? And then I say I'm infinite, which means I am not limited by space. It doesn't matter where I am on this planet. I'm infinite. My frequency, my energy can be felt all over the planet if someone chooses to yes. use it. Yes. I yeah. love using that mantra because it's so nice and neutral. Yeah. And it really calms my system. And after a time, I like adding visuals. So you could imagine breathing in this bright white light. Yeah. And then every time you exhale, you're releasing everything that no longer serves you. And that's really all it takes. Do that 10 minutes every day and watch your life change. It's rather mm. fabulous. Mm. <laughs> I love that. You know, I I actually has been uh, at the medical practice that I spend time in as a, as a guy, as a holistic practitioner, as, a, as an educator. 
I spend time talking to all these different people who are coming in who now that we're past the acute phase for most of the patients, we're looking at, okay, you're, you're back at work, you're back in your world, and how is it that you deal with what it is that comes to you? And there's a number of people who are in law enforcement. And so I put the heart mass device onto them. And those of our listeners who don't know what that is, it's a sensor that we put on the ear. And then there's an app on the phone and a cord that plugs into your phone. And we get to really learn how to be in coherence between the mind and the heart. And it's beautiful because you actually, your breath, you're tracking your breath with a visual and you're either sitting there in silence doing it captivated by the picture that's modulating with your breath or there's a scene that you can listen to or there's different audio that you can listen to. But, you know, I did this with these uh, law enforcement professionals and it was amazing. These people are so skilled. It was so amazing Mm. for them to be able to slide into it. Because to get I, that empowerment, right? To yes. be able to be in control of yes. your own body and mind is, yes. is yeah, that's powerful. I'm so glad you're doing that. They're real heroes. I know there's a lot of bad stuff that's going on too, but you know, to be a law enforcement officer in real time, to put yourself out there, and to be, you know, face to face with a lot of violence and mm-hmm. a lot of nasty stuff, I take my hat off. I take my hat off to every single one of them. That's that courage. I do. It is courage. It's absolute sheer courage. And and when I interview these people, I am amazed at their patience. I am amazed at their attitudes. Mm. And they're in the privacy of an office. You and I know what it's like when people come in and talk to us. People are raw and they're delightfully honest. Mm. (laughs) And their energy pours forth. And I've been amazed at the frequency and the energy that I feel from these people. Hmm, beautiful. I'm glad you're having those experiences. I hope that gives everyone who's had less good experiences with law enforcement officers hope. Yes, I hope so, too. I'll tell you Hmm. the other thing. I keep going back to the people who are rioting and looting, and some of them who are protesting because of the level of frustration that's driven them into a protest frame of mind, even though I relate, there have been things that I have protested but I've done it very differently. But, um, you know, we need to figure out the ways. I like that we're coming up with ways here today about doing collective prayer and collective meditation. But there, we, need, we need an additional element of something, Joy, that is really going to mm. capture people. And I'm, mm. I don't know where that is. It feels to me like we have to own the media channels or we have to lure the media channels into – Allowing time in every episode of the news for well, people to get quiet. I, okay, so I, I don't know how much truth to speak right now, but what I have learned so far is that the media channels that we have, mainstream media that we have right now, is is not free media. This is basically right now it's global propaganda. Yeah. Um, it doesn't seem as if this media um, has any interest in really helping people, A, find truth, B, help themselves. So I think we're going to have to rely on different channels of information. I think we have to 
strengthen the bonds that we have with the people around us. Yeah. Every single one of us needs to start hiding up in our own community, in our own family, in our own relationships, because that is where we're going to create peace. We can go out there, seek peace, make peace, but right. why not start within our own circles? I say start within yourself. And, and this, is, this, is, this is a process, a continuous process, if you ask me. There are people out there that will piss me off. So forgiving people is something I need to do continuously. And I have to because otherwise it bums up my energy channels. Mm-hmm. I get frustrated. I get angry. I hang on to negative energy that's actually going to harm me. Yeah. So when we see it in that simple, practical way, it's, it's, it's a daily practice. And then if we do that, we will notice that there'll be more peace, not only within ourselves, but also around us. We'll start attracting people that are also interested in peace. We'll start making peace more by just being ourselves, not having to necessarily do that much. Because you see, we're up against giants. We have a billion dollar pharma industry. We have a bunch of politics going on. And unfortunately, a group of people who are right now leading this planet who, who do not have our highest good in our interest. Yeah. That's just how it is. They're more interested in decimating people to get rid of people on the planet. So, you know, there's less mouths to feed. Um, and if, we're, if that is what we have, I don't think there's going to be much point in going out and fighting Goliath with our bare fists and going out there protesting, being angry, la la la. I don't think that's how we're going to win the battle. No. Smarter no. than that. We have to go beyond, we have to rise above that and make sure that our energy feels higher than that. Love is higher than fear. Love will always trump fear. We just need to consciously and continuously practice it. And I think that's where community comes in. Because when we're all on our own, I mean, it's harder. But if we have people that, like you and I, you know, we're we're hundreds and hundreds of miles away, but we're connected. Mm -hmm. I have my parents in Austria, thousands of miles away, and we're connected. So it doesn't, the distance is, is not the thing. It's more that we, we want to do this and that we see the necessity of it so that we can build, I see this grid of, some people call them light workers, some call them, I don't know, whatever you want to call them, the people who have the intention of seeing this planet heal, seeing themselves mm. heal, living in a more peaceful time. We need to hold that vision mm-hmm. and we need to practice it in our daily lives. And then I think that's where we'll, we will win. I am so aligned with you on every bit of that. And and I believe that for any solution, love is at the core of it. And we have to find the ways to touch ourselves with love, in love, in ways that are genuine. And, Mm. and, you know, I don't really mean fake it until you make it. But I mean, keep practicing until you genuinely feel it. Mm. And then, remember the games that we played with our babies? Hug yourself, hug yourself so big. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> do it, do it, do it. I'm going to hug myself right now. Me too. Yes. I'm a little squeezy. <laughs> yes, big hug. I'm doing the same thing. And it feels, you know, it feels wonderful. I've got my arms wrapped around myself. I'm squeezing my upper arms. I'm squeezing my shoulders and crunching them in. And I'm just watching the smile on my face as I'm doing it because it feels marvelous. It's just being folded right there into 
another being, you know, we are our other being as well as being our own being, right? Me, myself, and I. <laughs> I love me and myself. You know, what I've started practicing now because I read it actually in a book by Ajahn Brahm. Okay. Um, yeah. And he was saying, you've got to do 20 push-ups a day. And I was like, oh God, I hate push-ups. And then I read which sort of push-ups he means. And the push-ups he means is you put your index fingers to the corner of your mouth, right, left and right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you pull the the corners of your mouth up so you're fake smiling. (laughs) It makes your face stick out. That's right. You've got to do 20 of those every single morning. (laughs) And it is faking it. But the thing is, because you're faking this very weird smile, your brain thinks something really cool is happening right now. So it actually makes you feel better. All right. I, ever since I've read it, I've started doing that. I, I, I get a giggle out of it every day. This is so ridiculous. But, you know, I'm kind of having fun, so let's keep going. I'll tell you, as I'm doing it, I started, I started, you know, first it was like I had to drag them up there to get up there. And then by a third of the way through, I'm thinking to myself, oh, okay, let's go. Good. Got my eyebrows up and, you know, my eyes opened up. There are things that we can do that are hilarious like that, but there's science to it. So um, I don't know if I ever told you this little sweet thing that my mother would do. I would, all she would do is see me get a look about me that said, I'm not happy. I'm not happy about this. I need to do something about this. And I'm talking about being three, four, and five years old. And she would look at me and know. She was so dialed in. And and she'd say, okay, come on, take my hand. I don't want to take your hand. Come on, mm-hmm. take my hand. No, do it anyway. <laughs> she'd take my hand. We'd walk over to a big mirror. And she'd say, okay, we're going to stand here. We're going to hold hands. We're going to look straight in the mirror. We're going to look into our own eyes. And we're going to put a big smile on our face and count to 10. <laughs> and I can remember stopping my foot saying, no, no, I'm not doing it. No. She said, come on, here we go. One. And I couldn't help, you know. So it was like one. And you had to put the big fake smile. Otherwise, she'd make it start over. One, two. By the time you get to five, you're laughing. <laughs> and it's beautiful. So I adore her. I mean, I, I gave that poor woman a run for a lot of years, but I'll tell you what, <laughs> I spent decades after I was an adolescent making up for it. But I took that practice. I've taught it to all kinds of people. So I'll say to people, you know, when you're driving in the car, that rear view mirror, it's actually got a dual purpose. <laughs> and people go, what do you mean? Well, you are supposed to track the traffic and look into it every so many seconds and make sure that you're aware of your surroundings. But are you really aware of your internal surroundings? Well, what do you mean? Hmm. That mirror is also designed to catch your eyes so that you can flirt with yourself. <laughs> I love that. So, you know, give yourself some right you? Yeah. Yeah. Look all in. Exactly. Go look in there. Raise your eyebrows a little bit at yourself. You know, do a little twinkle in the eye. Bob your head a little bit, give a little wink, you know, and it's, <laughs> I love that. isn't it fun? You have to do it. You have to do it. I want to hear how much you love it when you do it. I certainly will. And I will also do that practice with my daughter, Grace, standing in front of the mirror when she's grumpy next. Yes. And if with your permission, I would love to teach that to my Joyful Kids ambassadors. Oh, I insist. 
we'll, we'll call it the Deb Carlin mirror. <laughs> Deb's mirror. That's what we'll call it. There you go. Deb's mirror. Deb's mirror. Thank Deb's you. reflection. It's reflection. We'll yeah. work on it. That's yeah, beautiful. we'll work Thank on it. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> I would love to participate with you on all that, all that work because the more that you, I love children. I, I have such a wonderful affinity for I them. I bet you do. I bet kids love you too. Oh my gosh. I have to tell you, they do. Of course they do. And, and it, it's so sweet. So, you know, I'll be laying on the beach. So I'm right at their height, right? And they always come over and sit at the edge of my blanket or my towel. And, you know, I've got a couple of different lounge chairs that I'll take, but it's when I'm laying on my belly and mm-hmm. I've got my, my elbows up, right? And and I'm kind of looking at kids playing and I'm looking out at the water. They always come over and they want to see what I have. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing here, kids. I got I got the sand. You got the sand. And, and they just meander over. And, you know, parents get a little embarrassed. Oh, no, no, come over here. And it's like, hey, you know, they're, they're just coming with another welcome. Mm, yeah, yeah. Kids are very sensitive to that. That is true. Yeah, it really is true. And then, okay, here's another sensuous experience. The idea of being on the beach, on the sand, and walking into the cool water, sometimes cold, and you, you go from the hot sand to the wet sand, into the water, walking across beautiful, soft, sugary sand, into the lake, and icy cold, and you're just thinking, oh, this at my whole body. You get to a bottom <laughs> to your thighs and your hips, and, you're, and you almost have your brain start sparkling like a, a a sparkler that you light a match to for the birthday cakes, and you get this whole body rush of cold, and then all of a sudden magically, you're acclimated to it, and and it feels no longer cold. It feels like it like your body energy has warmed up the water, and then mm-hmm. you walk a little further and you get out to your shoulders. Then you just let your feet drift up behind you and you start to skull in the water and, and you have your palms face down and you're going in circular motions with your arms and your palms going in opposite directions outward and it helps you stay afloat. And then you just, you know, spread your body out and swim a little. And then one of the most wonderful things I love to do is I love to hang in the water, get where I'm deep yeah. down and just, you know, hang there. I've got my arms resting on the top of the surface of the water. This is funny. I'm doing it like you can see me hanging in the water. And you get the whole body just hang loose. Mm, it's yeah. so comfortable. Feeling, feeling so supported by that water yeah. makes you feel almost weightless. Yes. And I love lying there and then imagining how I'm not only feeling this deep sense of gratitude to be in that precious moment, yeah. but also to be held like that. And yeah. I imagine that the water is really removing and pulling out everything that no longer serves me and transforming it into this beautiful energy that's then feeding me again. And I, I, this unison with the elements, that's, that's a beautiful sensuous experience for me. I love that you did that. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I mm. am a floater. 
I can tuck my head back and float in a in a, a breath. And and I've had people say, you know, what device are you laying on? Water. Really? <laughs> I love to lay on the water, and I'm so one with it. And I'll sometimes I'll get funny and I'll clasp my hands behind my back and cross my ankles. And then it really does look like I'm on some sort of a device. <laughs> I, I don't think I could drown. I mean, it's just, I must have been really happy in utero, you know, and all the fluid. Because, I think we all were very happy in then, really. <laughs> yeah, don't we all want to return to it under the blanket? Well, floating on water does give us that feeling again. I think that's also the magic of the, the floating tanks, you know, where we, we have actually sensory deprivation. I, I, I went to a floating tank here at Asheville once, mm-hmm. and you spend an hour in this uh, salt water, floating, warm water, body temperature, yeah. and it's a totally dark cabin, and it's, it's really, it's, it's intense. It is intense. I, was like, I, I can't do this. Just one hour, I'm going to, my neck is stiff, I can't hold myself, I want to get out of here, yeah. what, if I want, what if I want to get out? <laughs> they want right. to always come out but when you just stay in there <laughs> so right. uh, yeah and then at some point something takes over or we relax so deeply that time no longer matters and then suddenly it was time to go again and I was I was surprised how deeply I could just let go and it literally felt like being in mama's belly again very that. safe very nice mm, that's that. a very good practice we could even do in our bathtub you know, we don't have a sense of deprivation tank. Yeah. Put some Epsom salts in your bathtub, turn off the lights and, and dive under. Yeah. I love that sound of, of my own heartbeat when I go under the water. Oh, yeah. The feeling the warm water trickling into my ears and then <laughs> sound goes away. <laughs> <in the water. laughs> that was perfect. That was perfect. Oh, Joy, it has been fabulous. And we're at the end of our hour. Wow. Didn't I time fly? I, I hope our listeners enjoyed it as much as we did. Okay, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to um, sign us off, but I want you to stay on our call. I'll just stop recording. I will, babe. And friends, it has been an absolute pleasure to be here today. I hope that you have found it to be an absolute pleasure. Dr. Joy Martina, you are an angel. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. So here we go.